Welcome to the Spurs News Podcast, your home for all things Tottenham Hotspur. Now, here are your hosts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Spurs News Podcast. I am Sam. Joining me today to talk all things wonderful world of Tottenham Hotspur, it's Stefan. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, I can't hear that without thinking of the 70s slash 80s BBC LOLO. Uh, <laughs> that could be completely over your head because you're considerably younger than me, which I know you take great delight in reminding me. Yesterday, in fact, you called me old. Um, yes. But yeah, hopefully there's some members <laughs> of the audience that will know what the hell I'm talking about. You know, at times like that with those references, I do miss Matt. <laughs> it's like, Matt, so you're if you do know what Matt, if you uh, if you yeah. do know what Sam's talking about, please do fax him. Yeah, fax. Uh, yeah, send us a fax. <laughs> do you remember listening to the radio when people would fax in? Do you actually remember that? No. <laughs> uh, I hate my life sometimes. The only reason I know what a fax machine is is because my granddad used to own a building company, and they would fax orders between each other because it was quicker. The only reason you know what a fax machine... Do you have any comprehension how much that hurts me? <laughs> I, I, I started work, and when I started work, on, like emails w- was a thing. Like, it was a new thing. <laughs> like, like I, uh, my first email address was like a Hotmail address in school, and I was, I was like a sixth former, I think, like college age, so 17, yeah. 18. That's when emails became a thing for, for the, the mainstream. Um, and then, yeah, I was, I was working on my first job I had, the company was introducing company emails and explaining to everyone how to use them. That's, that's, yeah. Well, um, I'm going to go sit in a dark room for a bit. Uh, Steph, would you like to talk about Tottenham for a while? Yeah, let's (laughs) carry on the show. (laughs) Oh, oh, that really hurts. Anyway, um, so I've got a bit of a run in order for the show. Um, we're going to start by talking about um, the exit from the FA Cup to so defeat the Man City. Um, yeah. Obviously, we're going to thoughts on that regarding uh, trophies because obviously it just raises that whole thing again. And obviously, just thoughts on the game in general. Then we're going to switch over to the fan questions because basically I asked people to ask us anything that wasn't to do with that. <laughs> and people have, thank you. Uh, so I think we've got five there to, to chat through. Then we're going to have a little look ahead to the Brentford game, and then we're out of here. How does that sound? Cool. We should have at least two tangents in there somewhere. At least, I mean, I opened with one, just me feeling yeah, old. true. You said hello, 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 and that was it. I was off, hello, hello, hello. I was pissing by your door. And that's, again, that's a reference you won't get, but some people will find that really funny, I hope. <laughs> <sighs> right, okay, shaking that off, because I feel, yeah, that's, that's hurt me. Um... I, uh, I've i had this discussion on this podcast many times, and I think perhaps it's a generational thing, and I'd love to get your take because you are younger than me. The yep. FA Cup means a lot to me. Um, when I was younger, the FA Cup, regardless of who was in the final or whatever, it was a big deal. It, it's like the only way I can compare it for people who don't, who don't, you don't really see that now unless your team's involved, is it generally felt a lot like the World Cup final or the Euro Championship final. Like, even if your team wasn't involved, the FA Cup was like, oh, it's FA Cup, it's FA Cup day. We're good. That's that's all the families. We're going to plan your day around that. If you were football-orientated, obviously. If you weren't football-orientated, you didn't give a crap, still don't. But It's, it's if, just a Sunday. Yeah. If you like football, it's, it's a big deal, you know, the FA Cup final day. So, um, 
it means a lot to me because there's I've got a lot of memories associated with the FA Cup, and my first real Tottenham season, like because obviously I've, I've supported Tottenham since I was little, you know, but that was because the family stuck me in a shirt and that. But my real fandom, if you like, really began uh, with the World Cup Italian '90. I fell in love with football. That was my kind yeah. of. You're like, oh, I knew a football, I kicked the ball around. I'm a Tottenham fan, but I, you know, I wasn't really thinking. And everyone who remembers that tournament, it was Gaza's, Gaza's tournament. He was he was incredible at that tournament. And you could argue all the best players in the world at that tournament. He was right up there. He really was. And my brother, who's a diehard Tottenham fan, and obviously he was the one who put me in the Tottenham shirt, just said, he, he plays for Tottenham. And that was it. You know, I, you know, I didn't need anything else. <laughs> and Gary yeah. Lineker was scoring the goals. Guess who we played for? You played for Tottenham. So you had these two players that I just, like, that was the tournament. I fell in love with football, and the two players that, like, stood out to me were both Tottenham players. I'm hooked. 1990-1991 season is then the, you know, the, the season that follows, and you get us winning the FA Cup. And the first ever yep. game I go to live is the FA Cup semi-final win over Arsenal. Nice. Who won? Who who won the league that year? By the way, they were probably the best team when we hammered them in that semi final. I don't think any like I didn't know this at the time, but looking back, I don't think anyone thought we'd win that, uh, except for us, of course, because we always think we're going to win. Yeah, <laughs> but that was the first ever FA Cup semi final to be held at Wembley. By the way, um, oh. yeah, and it was the old Wembley, the proper one, not the new crap one. The, um, so. Yeah, was not the arch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pro- proper, yeah, pr- proper Wembley, not not a crap one. Um, I really don't like them anyway. That's so, the same tangent. There was a tangent alarm. We need an alarm for that. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just like one of us, we we hear the other one going off, and one and one of us just hits the alarm. Like, no, bring it back. Um. So yeah. So it means a lot to me. So every season since 1991, I have not expected, but want us. You know, I, I want that. I want to see that again. I want to see us lift the FA Cup again. And yeah. you got to remember, when we lifted the FA Cup in 1991, we lifted it for the eighth time, which was the highest of any team. At that at that moment in 1991, when we lifted that, we'd won that competition more than any other club. Yeah. And we've not won it since. Now, don't get me wrong, there's loads of reasons for that. In, in the football changed, and we didn't change really with it initially. By the time we did start to change, football changed again. So just, you know, just broad brush strokes. The Premier League came along. Money came into the game. If you finished high up in the league, all of a sudden the money incentives was massive and the players you could buy and pay for wages suddenly became huge. Tottenham were never, you know, yeah, we won the league a couple of times, but we were never really a league winning sort of side. We were a cup team. And all of a sudden those cup teams couldn't compete. So this like, this is real broad brush strokes, my opinion, obviously. By the time we made adjustments and were ready to compete, the game changed again because then you got super owners. You got guys like Roman Abramovich coming in going, okay, well, I'm just going to spend a billion pounds on every decent player there is and I'm going to put together a super squad and I'm going to take Chelsea from being rubbish, not rubbish, but mid-table, to winning everything. And that, of course, made the other clubs like the Manchester United, Liverpool, this world try and step up again and... Again, Tottenham yep. kind of got lost lost in that mixer. And then, you know, Man City was the was the kind of... Man City kind of feels like it was the final example of this for me. Because it kind of feels like after what happened with Man City, 
Man City were transferred. I mean, they were in League Two, you know, and then League yeah. One. They sort of scraped themselves back to the Premier League. They got got the stadium, which was like the Commonwealth Games Stadium in Manchester, and you just and everything kind of around that. And then all of a sudden, these owners came in. Do you remember the day that? Because that was kind of funny. Because it was transfer deadline day, and all the they signed Rubinho. Do you remember? Yes. And it was like mental. Everyone was just watching. Like these new owners walked through the door and just gone ka-ching, Here's a wad of money. Go and get one of the most exciting footballers there is out there in Rubinho. With Mark Hughes as the manager. Yeah, yeah, mental, right? <laughs> just absolutely insane. Um, so then Man City like became this this super club, and you know FFP and everything. And we're gonna we're gonna circle into that in a bit because that that's a great topic of discussion right now. Um, but yeah, so it just kind of. They were like the last, so the game kept changing and kept being out of reach, and we've not won it since. Uh, I think the no. best we've done is semi-finals. I think we've got to like a fair few semi-finals, and which hurts like hell. Uh, we got to the semi-final like a couple of years later. We won it in '91. I think we were back in '93 and we lost to Arsenal. Um, you know, kind of revenge, I guess, for '91. Yeah. But again, that that stung like hell. Um, I seem to remember us losing to Arsenal again in another semi-final a bit later on. Uh, we lost to Portsmouth in a semi-final, which to this day I still don't know how that happened. Yeah, like, I watched that. I think I, I think I can remember us losing to Everton. I think that was a semi-final. So, yeah, uh, we've not even got back to the final, let alone not won it. I mean, I know we've done a couple of things in the League Cup. You know, lost a couple of finals, won it a couple of times in that time. Um, yep. So yeah, so. The, the the trophy debate aspect of the FA Cup defeat. The FA Cup defeat hurts me because I love the FA Cup. So just just to go to the point, do you? It feel, is the magic of the cup, in it? Do you like, f- do you feel that same affection for it though, being y- that much younger than me? Or I, I don't know because it's like Dan Polynesian Dan. This you don't give a crap about it. Uh, you know, yeah, shiny tin. I want to win the league. <laughs> no, see for me the FA Cup is up there. Okay, good. FA Cup is right up there. I love the FA Cup. Like like you were saying, like FA Cup final day. Mm. I remember, not so much nowadays, but I remember being younger. And it was like an entire day of TV. Yeah. Like you'd sit down at like midday and they would be having like interviews with the team and highlights of the run to the final and all this yeah. sort of thing. And yeah. then the final itself was this massive spectacle and You'd watch it all the way to the end because then a team would get to lift the trophy and in the back of your head, you're kind of hoping for penalties to really get the most <laughs> out of it. And You know, I'm one of these sick bastards that thinks all finals should be secured by penalties. That is, uh, that is I, sick. I want to see it go all the way. I want extra time. I want, I want to go there proper. Even um, if Tottenham's in it? No, if Tottenham were in it, I yeah, want it over yeah, by half time. 5-0 um, win, please. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I love the FA Cup. It's the, the whole the magic of the cup as they advertise it as. You know, I, I think yeah. it's, I think it's brilliant. You know, you got to look at this season. Was it Maidstone have just beaten Ipswich ninety yeah. something places between them? There is there, you don't there get is that something. Else. No, no, it is something quite quite special. The FA Cup, um, and it is it genuinely. I I still feel great affection for it and. So going out of it, it does sting. There is an element that stings, but look, football's heavily opinion based. As in, me and you especially, me and you watch games and we message each other, 
and me and you can be watching the exact same game, the exact same players, and see different things. And that's part. And and I think both of us we enjoy that. That's that's football. Yep. Like, like oh, like I I'll say like oh bloody hell, we should have done this, and you'll go no, I think that was right because of this. And I'm oh okay. So there's, I mean, there's definitely times where we don't agree, and that's again part of football. But the vast yeah, majority, we're not allowed to talk to each other about Cootie Romero. <laughs> No, because he, he's a god and you're stupid. But yeah, so it, it just kind of it's like we 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 go through things. And what I'm trying to get to is like everyone can watch games and everyone can kind of have different opinions. And there's certain people like in the press, for example, and there's certain people who are uh, well-known football commentators and stuff. They put together content and they go through it. And I I watch lots of it. I listen to lots of it. And very rarely do I find myself being a complete outlier. So very rarely do I find myself where my opinion is so different. Everyone's like, kind of like, oh, I'm a bit different there, but I think. But on that game, yeah. uh, I'm gutted we lost. I'm gutted by the way we lost. Like that goal, like really irked me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I didn't feel bad. Like I didn't feel we played awful. I thought Man City were exceptional. But I didn't think we were that bad. And then, like people have pointed to the stats that we had like one shot, we didn't score the first time under Ange, and yeah. like, oh, we, we didn't play Ange ball and everything. And I, I, again, you can run with this, but I'm just going to say, people do realise there's two teams on the pitch, don't they? Like, like sometimes you can play yeah. against a team and they are so freaking good at controlling the football that you only get to play in brief moments because you don't have the ball the rest of the time. And when we yeah. did have the ball, like I watched us play out from the back against the best pressing team in world football. I don't think anyone can argue that. Man City press like friggin' animals and are brilliant at it. They hunt in packs. Yeah. And, and when they're playing like they did against us that night, it is actually, you know, like if I was a neutral, I'd be like, wow, that is so impressive. I mean, as a Tottenham fan, I'm even going, God, that's impressive. But what impressed me more is we played through it. On a yeah. regular basis, one touch, two touch, quick ball. Even even players that at the start of this season, I thought, oh, no way on this earth will they ever do it. Like Hoybier, for example. I was watching that guy go take the ball, one touch, turn, pass it, move out from the back. And I, I think I can count. When you consider the press that we were up against, I think I can count on one hand the times we were caught. And when and when you consider the amount we played out from the back, you know, they had like 12 corners, I think. Yeah. Um, Which resulted in goal kicks or the keeper having the ball and, you know, obviously one goal. But yeah. that means we were playing out from the back a lot. You know, they had shots going here, there and everywhere. We And we did, not once did he kick it long. <laughs> the no. whole time we were trying to drag them out of their position. And if, if someone in our team had the ability to pick a run from Werner, we, we'd have turned him a fair few oh, times. Oh, man, he, he had, like, a good ten runs. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, I, <laughs> I tell you, he was on commentary, who I really... I think it was Ali McCoist. And yes, it I was. really, really... He, he sees the game, especially forward play. He was, a, he was a great striker. And he sees the game sometimes very differently to a lot of co-commentators. And, and I quite like listening to Ali McCoist. And he, he wasn't frustrated, but you could hear it in his voice. He was like, he is running, and the runs are brilliant, and no one's fighting, like, no one's picking him out. Yep. And he, you could almost hear Ali was almost like, look, give me a minute, I'm going to run down to their bench. Someone's got to tell them. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. like, this is driving me crazy. I'm watching this guy do all of this work. 
and he and yet, did so many great runs. Yet and yet no I'm, one passed to him. No, and yet I'm reading like in all the write-ups and everything, and I'm watching all these people write their review, and like, oh, Werner completely ineffective, did nothing all game. Yeah. Okay, I, I suppose you could say that, but then at the same time, he, he did everything he could do. If people aren't able to find him, because there was one, there was one time where the ball was played to him. And Carl Walker defended brilliantly, you know, and that hurts me to say, but he did. He defended yeah. brilliantly. And then all of a sudden, the narrative, like, became, and everyone said, oh, well, you know, he couldn't get past Walker all night. It's like, no, that's that's a nonsense. He, he, he managed, he was getting in behind constantly, but the ball wasn't played. Now, Carl Walker basically became like a right wing for a lot of that game. He wouldn't have been able to do that if we, if you know, we're in, and and a few people in the comments were like, yeah, if Sonny was playing, it would have been different. Well, let's play that game again, identical, but just literally swap Werner and Son, and Son would have been stood there all night as well, making these yeah. runs, no one passing in the ball. Is there a debate where if it was Sonny, someone would have tried? I I hope that's not the case. I hope they just couldn't find the pass because if there's a reason they're not passing it to Werner, then that that's awful. There's a problem there, yeah. <laughs> there, you know, and I, like, I, I know we joked about the whole um, Johnson, Johnson Kulis, yeah. yeah. but <laughs> yeah, just for ever those, since just, we said it, ever since yeah. we said it, I'm now really conscious. Yeah. About why so just just open? for those just for those who didn't hear this or anything, because it is kind of funny. There was this rumor, and don't get me wrong, it's just mad stuff that Kulisevsky and Johnson don't get on, and therefore they won't pass to each other. And it's funny. I mean, like, there's just no way that's true. It's just such a stupid thing. And then I said it to Stefan, and we're like, do you know what? I'm watching this game, and I heard this rumor, and I'm watching. I don't think he has passed to him. And then we watched it. And we're like, yeah, they genuinely like. There's like a really difficult pass one way, a really simple pass to one or the other, and they're like, yep, take the difficult one. <laughs> and no, like and, every time. Yeah, like, and, and now and now it's like every time I'm watching it, I'm like, yeah, they don't like each other. You can tell <laughs> something's not right here. It's yeah. funny. It's it's funny. Um. So yeah. So for me. I, I didn't feel that we were embarrassed by Man City, which teams can be. Yep. I didn't feel that we played badly. I felt that Manchester City didn't allow us to play enough that we could play. And, you know, you can have that argument of, well, we should be, like, grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck and da-da-da-da. Well, yeah, okay. You, you can make that debate, but we are. Ange Postecoglou said afterwards, he said they are eight years into their under Pep being coached by. They are a machine now. They're not. They're not at the beginning, and everyone forgets that in Pep's first season he did fuck all. They won yeah. fuck all. They looked crap on a regular basis, and then he spent a shitload of money. They looked better. He spent a bit more money. They look better, and every every window or every summer, anyway, Man City will drop some money on at least one player, and he will just keep it fresh, keep it going. That's what he does now because it's now a machine. Everyone in that club, everyone in that squad, everyone in the academy, it's Pep. They know how they play. People, it's like cogs. Players just come in and out of the machine, and the machine keeps rolling. Yeah, he, he's got it that way. Ange is in his first season with us. And oh my God, he wasn't able to compete on the on the day with the best team in the world. And like but you say, he did. we didn't play bad. We, we did, did compete with them. Bad. We yeah. were, we played through them. We we did stuff. 
I think this this kind of narrative this that's there is like oh he didn't play Angeball. Well, I, I felt like we were. I felt like we were still trying to play our game. We were playing it out from the back. We were trying to cut through them. But perhaps and and you know I don't want to pick out individuals, but perhaps on the day, our attacking players just weren't weren't creative enough. I don't think. Uh, okay, I will pick people out. I don't think Kulisevsky had a good game. I think no. I think he has looked very good in a number of games centrally, and I did, I think he completely fell flat in this one. I think mm-hmm. the level of Man City's midfield, like Rodri's, they're they're a level up. They they just are, you know. And you need to be. Uh, Madison really would have been a difference maker in that game. I I'm convinced Madison finds Werner, and and once that happens, Man City have got something to think about. Werner's not a natural finisher. He isn't going to go through on every ball and score. We all know that. But the Man City defence would have had to have got deeper because he was just every time. He was just in every time. And once that happens, that creates space. All of a sudden, Kulisevsky looks a different player. All of a sudden, Madison can run with the ball, not just you know, not just clip a pass. The game yep. changes. And Kulisevsky, Hoybier, they didn't have it about them. Uh, Bentoncourt didn't have a good game for me. And he's a phenomenal player. But he yeah. was anonymous, anonymous largely in that game because I think he was having to work so hard just to try and keep up with that Man City machine, the midfield. He, he didn't have any impact in a forward sense, and he always does, if you think about it. He's like a transitional expert. You know, we play out from the back, it goes through Benzikor, and he transitions it brilliantly. But in that game, it was non-existent. So I, I think you can look at it and go, we were playing Angeball, uh, we were playing our way, Man City just didn't allow us to, to play that well. And just on the day, certain individuals going forward had off days. Yeah. And so for me, that that's how it is. So It, it wasn't our best performance, I've got to say, you know. Uh, but like you say, it, it wasn't our best performance, but that's because we weren't allowed to play mm. our best football. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> hindsight being hindsight, I would love to have seen what would have happened if Madison had been fitter to play more of the match definitely yeah uh would some of those timo runs have been found by madison i think so um would it have just given man city another another dimension to their defense of what they would have had to have looked out for Mm. you know it's a difficult one but unfortunately i'm i'm gutted we lost uh yeah it it was one of those matches the longer it stayed nil nil yeah the more I'm like, okay, at no point did I think this is going to a replay. I was in my head, I was like, this is going to be a 1-0 win one way or the other. Yeah. Um, Man City had that, what I still think was an onside goal ruled out for offside. Um, I, I, I felt, <laughs> yeah, when I saw when I saw that goal, I, I did genuinely think that was onside. I have now seen the lines, and this is where... It was offside, right? So by the letter of the law, that goal was offside. For me, and I think every football fan, it's like, really? Do we not? We want goals. <laughs> like, yeah. you talk you talk about like goals change games. It doesn't always change games for the team that scores. Like, we, if they scored early in that game, all of a sudden, that whole Man City team would relax. We finally scored at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We've finally done it. Yeah, our our team would have been like shit. We you know we need to sort this out. The we whole game, sort this the out whole game's changed. Yeah, 
Yeah, the whole game changes. Like in that instant, that whole game is a different game. The longer that game went, the tenser Man City were getting. I mean, that goal they scored was scrappy and crappy. Okay, so let's just talk about that because this is a debate in itself, and I've seen so many like passionate opinions on this. So give me your opinion on that goal and whether you think it should stand or anything like that, and then I'll give you mine. So I don't want to taint what you're going to say. So so you go for it. What do you think? Um. I was disappointed by it, but at no point did I think it was getting ruled out. Okay, why why disappointed? What what what? So what's your opinion? I'm not I'm not thinking about whether you thought it be ruled out or not, but what was what's your opinion on it? Um, the keeper went for the ball. He didn't get the ball, yeah. and Ake was the first person to react to a ball drop in the box and scored. So you think keeper? So you, no foul for you. It's it's a goal. No no debate. It's done. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is interesting to me, and this is one of the things that kind of drives me crazy. For me personally, as a football fan, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's that's nothing. The keeper should have come through, not that guy on his ass. Yeah. You should have come through him, man and ball, and absolutely murdered him. Yeah, Diaz has actually done his job. I see people talking about, oh, he runs the risk of being a penalty. I'm not saying punch the guy in the head. I'm saying take a step back. I'm saying take a step back and run through him. Because if you run through him and he elbows you, he does anything, then that is undoubtedly the referee's going to give that. If you run through him, grab the ball, and that guy's mullered because you've run through him, Guess what? That never gets given. That's never is never an offence because if you're going to get in tight on a keeper like that, that keeper is going to go through you. Yep. So here, here's here's an opinion which I know is not going to be popular. I don't think Vicario had a good game. I think that's the first game he has looked off for me. He looked a little bit shaky. He never caught the ball clean all night. Several shots went to his hands, but he palmed them down and he had to re-grab them. He didn't. Yep. He didn't look himself to me all night. Why that is, who knows? But he just didn't. He didn't look his usual reassured self, and I felt that that in that moment, yeah. So to me, a football fan of many years, because I'm old, as we've discussed, yeah, that that's soft. He should have gone through man and ball, claimed it, and it's just yeah. done. There's no debate. What I will say to caveat that, and the reason why when VAR was going on, I was interested, is because I have seen. Already this season, last season, plenty of seasons, that goal ruled out because of a foul on the goalkeeper. Goalkeepers in the modern game are a protected species. We all know that. You get in tight on it. You know, know, back in the day, you know, Bobby Smith up front for Tottenham could headbutt a goalkeeper into the goal holding the ball, and that's a goal. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, like I literally just launched in. The referee's like, yeah, well, you went over your own line. That's a goal, mate. Um, But yeah, butted me. I didn't see it. Um, so then you get to the point where we are now, where you know you 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 breathe on a goalkeeper sometimes, and the referee's like, "No, you don't get that close to the beautiful goalkeepers." Yeah, and yeah, in this game, it's not, and that is where there's a problem. That's where for me, refereeing is it, there's problems where different interpretations in different times. Now, if that's the referee's interpretation on the day, then we all got to go. Okay, that's fine. Like for me, I look at it and go, "Yeah, okay, I get it." But if we then play the game tomorrow night, we play Brentford. Now imagine we go up there and someone puts pressure on the goalkeeper. We score the same sort of goal and the referee chalks it off and says, no, that's a foul. That's 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 when you start getting really quiet. 
annoyed. Well, yeah. that's that's where you're. That's where you're raging. That's where everything about football is aggravating. And unfortunately, that's really realistic. If you think about it, it is. You can imagine it, right? Cutie Romero goes in tight on the goalkeeper, basically blocks him off. Goalkeeper's not strong enough, like Vicario wasn't. Um, someone taps it home. Referee goes, nah, that's a foul. You know, cutie, that's a foul. That's bad. And the reason why I'm using cutie as the example on that is because I, I do believe, and I know you might debate this with me, every referee goes into every game with Romero now going, oh, he's a booking. He's a, he's a problem. So if cutie's tight yeah. on the goalkeeper, oh, that's got to be a foul. That's Romero. However, you see where if, I'm going with this? if someone like Brennan Johnson was standing in front of the keeper, yeah, yeah poss- possibly not. not. Who knows? Not as much. Yeah, it, it's, no, it's I agree in, with that. It's an interesting thing. And it's a perception thing, and you know, you've got to play to the referees. I get it. VAR and stuff just makes it feel that little bit more aggravating because you'd think that VAR would mean that all the decisions kind of become should be should be all the same. Like if yep. the interpretation of that rule is. Nah, keepers have got to be stronger in that instance, and it's applied like that across the whole league all season. No one's even batting an eyelid about it. No one's even. But I, I can think of three examples, including one with Man City, by the way, where that goal was ruled out. Yeah, and I think straight away. There was, there was a there was a, the there was a Liverpool one. I remember a Liverpool one was like two weeks ago. Yeah, and I, I think it was Allison. Allison come out, and like, I, I was watching the game live, and I'm like. He's just dropped the ball. That guy's done. All the guy's done is stood there, like, yeah. and and they've given that. They've not. They've like disallowed the goal and given that as a free. I was like, that's mad. That's mad. And yep. so, to a certain extent, I, I feel the same about this. But consistency. You you just said it. Then that's where the frustration is because you look at that and you go, as a fan, oh, that's going to get ruled out for VAR. Yes, because I've seen that get ruled out. Oh no, it's not been. Why? What? Yeah. And then then you get the conspiracy for it. Then you get the oh, so everyone hates us. And that's the feeling you get because it's like this is ridiculous. I've seen this get overruled three or four times with other teams. Why isn't it happening for us? Why has this happened? Yeah. Um, and that's when you get anger, and that's when you get fans, you know, questioning the referee's parentage and whether he has sex with donkeys and stuff like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. um, okay. I don't, I don't think there's anything else on that game. I really want to go over. I didn't think we played as badly as people tell me we did. I'm gutted we're out of the cup. Um, the trophy jokes came within seconds. Like I, I've got a gooner friend who just delighted in just sending me this message. I was like, "You're already out." She said, "Yeah, but we could win the league. You won't." I was like, All right, "Fine." Um, so yeah, it just yeah, instant, instant barrage of another trophyless season. I, I guess that hurt me more the last couple of years. Because I felt like we were directionless. I felt like we were all over the place. I felt yeah. like we had no identity. It doesn't hurt me this season because this, for me, feels like year one. This is the first season of Ange. This is the first season building a squad. Every window, he knows he needs to work. He's made two more adjustments to the squad this window. I, I think in the summer there'll be more, you know, the summer will be more work, more getting more players who can play his way of football. Um, next season will be a massive test because teams will know how we play. So it's going to be a huge test. Can we, can we raise that game? Can we, can we become the Man City of, we play our way, you know how we play, but we do it so frigging well, you can't stop it anyway. Yeah, we don't need a plan B, you do. No, but that, yeah. yeah, and that's the challenge. That is the challenge. Can that be done? Is Ange good enough? Is the team good enough? Are the players good enough to do it? 
this season people are still adjusting to it like bloody hell Tottenham do what <laughs> their fullbacks run where <laughs> yes what do you mean um, they go into the centre circle yeah. no 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 that's the new dog you basically playing a 10 <laughs> right now yeah. Um, so it, it's gonna, there's a lots of stuff ahead of us, but this is year one, and based purely on where we are, we know finally, as Tottenham fans, we have a style of play that feels Tottenham, that feels like the football we all want to see. We have developments and work going on behind the scenes where signings are being done quickly, early in the window. Um, they're and being brought quietly. in. Quietly, they're being done quietly. They're kind of they're, being they're, announced. The works, yeah, the works, the works done. being done, yeah. So it, it's it's kind of everything is work. Everything's going in the right direction. We're not the finished article. Um, we are going, but we are actually moving the right way. The the, the key is like you know uh, under that bloke who was manager of us before, we were going the right way. Um, did we reach the finished article? I think we possibly did under him, and we were just unlucky a little bit, <laughs> you know. I, yeah. I can't think I can't think of um, another way of describing that this penalty decision in a Champions League final in forty seconds or whatever the bloody hell it is. I just there, there's definitely a curse somewhere. Um, so that's that. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think there's anything else more we need to really go into on that. So if you are happy, we'll hand the show over now to our fellow Tottenham fans and their questions and their comments. Let's do it. Now it's time for your comments from our social media. So uh, we've got uh, one comment from Instagram. We have four on Facebook. Where would you like to start? Let's start with Insta. Okie dokie. Uh, on Instagram, we have the Johnny Stark of the Johnny Stark Show. Uh, he says, "How disappointing is it that Hoybier is staying for the rest of the season?" <laughs> that's savage. That's mean. I'm just trying to work out my scale of like one to ten. What's what on this? Okay, so ten is like you're totally happy with it, and one is like so disappointed you you could like. Hire someone to break his legs quickly. You know, what's what's your what's your range? I'm a six. <laughs> okay, so so you're not really unhappy about it at all. You're you're kind of okay with it. I'm kind of I'm frustrated because it is a player who, by the sounds of everything coming out of the club, quite publicly told the club, I'd like to move on. However, <clears throat> at the same yeah. time, every time he has pulled that shirt on. He hasn't played like someone who's down tools. No. He made a, a... Don't get me wrong. There was a couple of moments against Man City where I was proper head in hands. Is he trying to join Man City? Like, what is he doing? <clears throat> um, but in general, this is a player who he puts the shirt on and he goes out there and he plays his game. And... For a player who knows he's not starting every week... Yeah, to have someone on the bench who is willing to come on and give a hundred percent off the bench when needed. Yeah, uh, the same as I think about Royale, like Emerson yeah. Royale. He's not a starting eleven player, but he is also happy to train hard, get on the pitch when he does, and put shift in. Yeah, you need those guys around the park. You know, you need those guys in your squad. Yeah. Um, I'm not hearing anything out of Tottenham that he's causing trouble behind the scenes. No. 
So therefore, yeah, if the right bid doesn't come in and we don't get to replace him, then yeah, keep him around till the summer and then evaluate in the summer what options are out there. Yeah, I mean, for me, he isn't a player that suits tangible. Uh, I think he's working hard doing what he does. Um, but he, he doesn't really suit the way Ange wants to play. So I think he's a player who will move on and be replaced in the side. Um, it's interesting about the kind of the thing, because he put out a statement yesterday via his manager, basically saying he's never asked to leave. He's completely focused on the club and, um, and he's not going anywhere. And obviously that will be reassessed in the summer, like every season, but that's, that's what he said. And that's why this has come out. This is why, People are now discussing it. The interesting thing in that is about, you know, I've never asked to leave. You know, he literally fired his agent because his agent didn't get his movie wanted last summer. Um, yeah. You know, that, that was quite a public thing. So um, uh, it's, it's a weird statement to put out. But again, look at the date. If any deal was going to be done for him, it would have had to have been done by now because we would need to bring somebody in. So yeah. I dare say we've reached the point now where the club have gone, look, even if someone comes in you're staying mate because yeah. we haven't got time to replace you um, unless some miracle happens really quickly it ain't going to happen yeah if, we need, if, we need if there was offer a on the table for Hoiberg and at the same time for an who? agent phoning <laughs> for who? Hoiberg Hoiberg you sounded like me you sounded like you went farmer Hoi- I know, that oh I got that got that Hoiberg um, <laughs> uh, Growing a couple uh, of them. No, Pierre and Mio Hoibier. Yeah. Like, we get an offer on the table for him at, of a really good price at the exact time that an agent from another club phones Daniel and goes, I've got this player that's a great fit for your midfield and he's available yeah. right now. Like, you, unless you, that yeah. happens at the yeah, exact it's, same it's, times, it ain't going to happen. It's insanely uh, unlikely that I... I mean, I, I said this yesterday, and I've kind of put my my head on the chopping block. I don't think we're doing any other business, in or out. Maybe, maybe a loan out or something, but this window. Um, I, I think it's funny because it's, it's, there's a big perception thing. You know, we did our business early and really well. If those were two deadline day signings, people would be like, oh, what a window, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, no, it's actually better the way we've done it. Um, and... I can see us possibly selling Brian Gill or at least loaning him out. That's the only I was going to say, that's what I said, a loan out possibly, but... Um, yeah. Again. And that's just because we've now got an abundance of wingers and forwards. Look, I, 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 nothing against him, but it's not worked. No. Um, he doesn't look good. He doesn't look settled. He doesn't look like a player who's. Sometimes you can see in a player flashes, and you go, "Okay, right, you've got to keep giving him games and time, minutes, and see, see if he can come through." I've not seen anything in any game against any opposition to no. really make me feel that way. Um, in fact, the only times I've watched him and thought, "God, he looks good," is when he's been loaned back in Spain. Yep. I watched him on loan at Valencia and thought, wow, what a player. <laughs> he, he suits the Spanish style of football. Yeah, it just it just, it just hasn't worked. Um, okay, so heading over to Facebook, uh, the first question we have here is from Grant Morton. Uh, Grant says, should we buy a halfway decent striker this window or leave it until next season when we will have more money to spend, a better deal as the January window is usually way more expensive? Not getting one now could be the difference between getting Champions League next year or not. 
Um, okay, I, I have I have an opinion on that. What about yourself? You can open. But we did. Timo Werner. <laughs> uh, he says he says a halfway decent striker. Timo We're... Werner is a good winger and a halfway yeah. decent forward. Yeah, I, I I think we have signed the player that he is talking about. Um, in terms of, for me, that's spending money for the sake of spending money. Like, I mean, he. I, I think. I think the point he's getting at is is the nine position. I think yeah. he's looking at Richarlison and thinking, "You are not getting us twenty to thirty goals a season." My, my, my opinion on this is slightly different. Where I, I, I get that, and we as Tottenham fans for a decade, roughly, have had a phenomenal striker. You know, we have had a guy who is scoring twenty plus goals a season for fun. Could have probably got more, you know. Under Ange, I still uh, you'd have barreled him in. I think now, he was silly to retire when he did. He should have stayed for another season. With yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he's still playing. He's just playing in like one of those, you know, leagues. It's like a really friendly league, about. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, something like that. And still not winning anything. But um, bum bum Anyway, yes. um, I I've become a Leverkusen fan very quickly. So <laughs> I, I think I think it's a difficult thing, but you, the the one thing Grant I, I think to keep an eye on is um, if you look at Ange teams, um, the goals are shared, and what I mean by that is he doesn't really play a style of football where you have a focal point striker. He he tends to try and get to a point where he has a free that can interchange a little bit, and the goals are always kind of like uh, I think his Celtic team the front three had like twenty plus each. Um, it seems like, uh, and I know the leagues are different, so the numbers, obviously, you know, the Premier League, you're probably not going to get that. But if you look at this season, you know, Sun is out there, you know, Sun is our top goal scorer. But, you know, Richie, I think, scored six and eight, you know, at the moment since, since like, recovering and everything. And uh, Werner's come in, I think he's played two games, one assist. He averaged a goal contribution every other game. So against Brentford, I'm expecting a goal or an assist from him. Um, yeah. Uh, Johnson's not quite hit that uh, not really putting in the numbers Kulisevsky isn't either really this season um, so so yeah there, there's work to be done definitely um, would a more prolific striker the, the problem is really for, for me is the cost for that but you can't replace Harry Kane really there, there isn't even with the 100 million man, even if we literally took that 100 million and bought another player I don't think you can replace him in, in that sense uh, Harry Kane at Tottenham is is irreplaceable. Harry Kane at Bayern Munich, you know, they could sell him in a few years and sign another prolific striker. They basically just replaced Lewandowski with Kane, you know, for them. Yeah. Um, for us, there are some strikers out there, number nines in the world, that you look at and you go, I think I think they could score goals in the Premier League. Uh, Vlahovic uh, is a name I can't really pronounce, plays for Juventus. Um, there's a few strikers out there you look at and go, I think they've got all of the attributes. Yeah. Um, Ivan Tony, I mean, we're playing Brentford tomorrow. Ivan Tony is the one that's an interesting one that a lot of people talk about. You know, if he was a number nine at Tottenham or someone, would how many goals would he get? Uh, personally, that's not a player for me for, for a few reasons. Um, but just just you look around, you're, you're looking at 100 million plus to do that. And I don't yeah. think in Angie's system, you know, you... What we want is as a team to be like a machine and everyone getting in on it. Because I think also, from a from a defensive point of view, if you've got Sonny... Uh, I'm just going to pick three, by the way. Richie, Sonny and Werner, right? And all three yep. of them, let's just say it's next season, 
those three have all got 10 goals each. We're like, you know, midway through the season. If you're a defence and you've got three forwards who are as prolific as the other, you know, <laughs> you you are, it's like, okay, right, we're going to double up on Sonny because Sonny's the one who scores the goals. The other two can't hit a frigging barn door. Mm-hmm. That's that's the way you're, you know, human nature, isn't it? You, you kind of walk okay, that's right. Show, show Richie on his left foot, he ain't going to do nothing. Show Werner on his right foot, he ain't going to do nothing. Sonny's two-footed, right? Okay, you double up on him. Yeah. But if everyone's scoring, you know, and I know I've just plucked those names, pick any three you want from our squad, but if everyone's scoring, it creates a completely different dynamic. You know, teams used to mark Kane out of the game. You know, all of us are rose-tinted glasses on Kane now, but some games he was frigging anonymous. Like, against good teams, good defensive teams... He'd been marked out of the game, and that's why he adjusted his game to come deeper and become a playmaker, because he he knew he's like, well, I can't, you know, I'm 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 up here, I'm not getting the ball. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. So, so he so, drops back and yeah, yeah. and and he, he links up the plane, and you know, he's just uh, he's just a phenomenal player. Is, so looking at next season, let's stick with those three players you just mentioned. Yeah, you've then got to remember that we're gonna have a fit Madison behind me we as hope. well. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah. you've now gone from one focal point to four. Yeah. Well, that's your entire back four and a central defense, like midfielder, yeah. taken care of. Yeah. Because yeah. no one knows who's going to hit the shot from where, where the next pass yeah. is going to go. Yeah. You get a front three and Madison all fizzing the ball to each other, moving around and taking shots. How do you mark that? Yeah, no, you're right. I think, I think uh, Grant's point. I think is it. I think in, I don't think anything like that happened here in January, Grant. I think, I think, um, I think this got side. You know, Touchwood have had a real horrible injury run. If we can avoid that happening again to the end of the season, then I, I think this side, as it is, can can really compete for a top four slot. But I, I really do believe that. Yeah. I also, and, and I know people possibly won't agree with this, I also would not think it's the end of the world if we don't get Champions League this year and we have a season in the Europa League. And the reason why I say that, I know people are like, oh, no, it gets in the way, whatever. It's European competition. It's a pro, It's the progression of this side. And just come in, no Europe. First season, he achieves Europe and everything like that. You've yep. got to remember, it greatly dictates your recruitment and everything, what you do next. And there are some incredible academy players we have who I think if we're in the Europa League next year, become the squad options. I think uh, Alfie Devine, Phillips, Dorrington suddenly become squad options. You know, Scarlett, these players, Troy Parrott, well, could say, could Troy start back, could yeah. could come back and start. I mean, Troy Parrott, I believe everything I've read will come back and be classed as a club trained player, and we need that for yeah. Europe. So, and all of a sudden, you have this situation there. You know, when Kane emerged, Kane came through the Europa League. If we were a Champions League team that season, Kane doesn't get anywhere near that squad. Nope. he wouldn't have got near it. But he came in, he found his form, showed everyone what he could do, and then, okay, let's see what you can do in the league, and the rest is history. So it wouldn't be the end of the world to me if that happened. Obviously, Champions League is where we want to be, and obviously, if we do achieve that, then I think there could be some interesting questions asked of certain players. I think Richie would be one where the club would look at and go, okay, if there's an offer for him, because there's rumours there are several clubs who would like to take him from us 
could we replace him? Who would we replace him with? What's the profile of the striker we want for that role? Yeah. Um, and I think there's a few players. I think there's a few players there that they would look at in the summer. So, okay, Champions League next year, we need to, you know, reevaluate a few things. I think if it's Europa League next year, I don't think you see the big money get spent. And I think perhaps they look at it and go, okay, where can we improve? You know, we're going to work on our recruitment. Where can we improve the squad? Who who needs to go? Who you know, like we said about Hoybier doesn't really suit Angeball. Who needs to leave? What holes does that leave us? Who, what are we gonna do to plug it? So yeah, um, I I think we're good enough. I mean, it's literally tomorrow. Tomorrow's deadline day. So yeah, I I love deadline day. Really, I do. Oh, I find it just a massive anticlimax. Now we never do anything. No, no, ignore being a Tottenham fan. I just love yeah. transfer deadline day. Oh, like, it used to be Jim White and the yellow tie. Yeah. And you'd get like the most bizarre stories appear on transfer deadline day. I used to love it. Do you remember? Um, I, I, I loved it right Peter up to the point. Peter Oppen- yeah, 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 yeah. Turning up in his car at people's training grounds. Like, I'm here for a medical. I remember um, I remember enjoying it right up to the point I realised Sky is sponsored by Skybet and all the rumours they were talking about people were losing money on on Skybet that's when I I kind of went oh that's interesting Um, okay the next one's from Tom Perks Uh, Tom says shall we continue the Juventus raid and look at Samuel Illing Jr or Matthias Sola I think it's Sola Mm-hmm. Um, at least the first would satisfy a homegrown player with his youth affiliation with Chelsea. That's if we can still call them Chelsea. What are they now? Um, yeah, probably not. Uh, probably uh, Yeehaw, Yeehaw Chelsea. I don't know. The don't Chelsea know Cowboys. Yeah, Chelsea Cowboys. There we go. Uh, they're certainly trying to play like Dallas Cowboys with their bloody throwing the money around. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, the Juventus thing's funny uh, because the Paratici just basically, like, the Juventus recruitment he did was excellent and then they obviously had their problems and they all went and now Paratici's, like, picking them all up again. Um, yeah. Ooh. The first name he mentioned, I've heard a lot about him and he is meant to be a very good prospect and technically homegrown, so I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, um, uh, I'd rather go for that striker that neither of us can pronounce. It's it's awkward <laughs> for me. I I don't know them really. Um, I, the the striker I've seen a lot of purely because I've seen people putting together compilations going, "Come on, Tottenham, come on, Paratici, do us this favor." Oh, um, don't. Do you know what? Compilation videos are one of the worst things that's ever been invented. <laughs> do you remember that? Um, in the summer was it? Or Orbton Gift or something his name was. Uh, yes, Gift. And yeah. Every yeah, yeah. person on in, uh, who had software to edit a video was putting together videos of this guy in a Spurs shirt. It's going to be, oh yeah, it's going to be amazing, yeah. it's be amazing. His Gift club are Orban. now selling him for like a third of the price we were quoted. Sold him. They sold, sold him, yeah. Sold him. Yeah, for yeah, a third yeah. of the price we were quoted to just yeah. get the guy out of the club because he scored four goals all season. Yes, Gift Orban is now playing in France. Yeah, um, good luck, good luck to him. Um, but yeah, Tom, to to answer you, um, any player of quality that Ange wants and meets our new <coughs> recruitment criteria, I'm on board with. 
yeah. I don't know enough about them to really to really say. Um, I don't even know the position of Samuel Illing Jr. Do you? Winger, winger forward. No. Yeah. No, that's not shown anymore. Winger. He he would him. come in and replace someone like a Brian Gill. Would come in and replace Johnson. Yeah. Okay, I hear you. Um, okay, next up is Ryan Miller. It's Miller time. He says, with financial fair play getting stricter, do you think Spurs should, will take advantage of other teams this January, seeing, as I assume Spurs have a lot of money we could spend? Um, okay, Ryan, I'm going to put a pin in that question. We're going to come to you at the end. Uh, the other question here is Barry Fowle says, Mbappe wants 70 million a year. That's one million shirt sales with his name on it. Should we go for it? Uh, I think this is a joke from Barry, um, but it does make me want to just point out once again that shirt sales, that's not how it works. Because <laughs> yes. I see that come up all the time. Like, ah, oh, we, we sell this many shirts and that pays for it. It's like, no, 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 no. The way a shirt deal works with a company is they basically buy a license so Nike make our shirts currently, and every shirt that gets sold, Tottenham get a tiny percentage of, yeah. and Nike get the money. That's why Nike give us 30, 40 million on a contract to have the license to, to produce our shirts. So basically Nike get that money, yeah. <laughs> in essence. Um, I think there's a slightly higher percentage if it's bought through the official club shop, but it's, it's like if you're selling a shirt for 70 quid, I think we get like three pound of that if... if you know, if that is this, it's probably not even that. Um, so it's it's Nike. I mean, but that's they give us that's a lot of money. They sell the contract, <laughs> that's that's yeah. what they're that's what they're giving us that money for. So um, yeah, we can't have it. <laughs> we have it both ways. Yeah, uh, you just give us all this money. You make the shirts, and we keep that money as well. It's a great deal. Come on, what's what's wrong with you? We'll give you, you just, a tenner for every shirt we sell. Go yeah, on. you just get the honour of having your tick on our shirt, and we're like awesome and stuff. Uh, so yeah, no, it doesn't work that way. But uh, Mbappe was asked uh, by Spider Man whether he'd join us, and he said no. So I think that ends it. The, the fact that that <laughs> sentence is real. Yeah. <laughs> the fact, the fact that Spider Man's a Tottenham fan. Um, he did ask him and he laughed in his face and said that could never happen. I think that sums up our chances of signing Mbappe. Um, just quickly, Brentford tomorrow. Um, it's home. What's your feelings on it? How do you feel? Do you, do you feel confident? Do you feel nervous? I'm a Tottenham fan. I'm always confident. Don't you Blind nervous. optimism. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I, I'm hoping to see a bit of a reaction. I think... I think the press have laid into us over the Man City game, and I'm hoping the players come out with a bit of, all right, you know, we'll show you. All right, fine. Man City were bloody good, but we're good. You know, look at what we can do. Um, Brentford are a good side. They've got Tony back in the team, which means they've got a real threat from a set piece. And um, you know, cheating bastard moves the ball. I we'll have to keep an eye on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, I, I'm i'm hoping we put in a real performance i'd like to see us really blow a team away who regardless of who it is yeah i feel like we, i feel like we need that to kind of shake the cobwebs off and be like okay this is us to the end of the season and also we got a run of games where we got a good few home games all clumped together just because of the way the fixtures have been changed around yes um it's a real opportunity like we we pick up maximum points and a good few games that are coming up all of a sudden, you know, you look at the table and we've kind of really cemented our place. If we stutter a bit now, I think this is the time of year where teams like Man City, Liverpool, they, they turn it on. So so we we need we need to, 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 to win. 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I want to finish the show with Ryan's thing then about FFP, financial fair play, um, and whether Tottenham can take advantage and Tottenham, how are they in a position to take advantage? Uh, we touched on it last week that um, for all the criticism and all the uh, justified criticism at times of Daniel Levy, the one thing I think the vast majority, even the the most staunch Levy out haters will say is we want him away from the football inside, but actually the business side of it, he's done a pretty good job. You know, that that's okay. Yeah. We can't, we can't dispute the fact that when he came in, we were a failing club and now we are a massive commercial success. We are in football in terms, the richest club in London, which, which is, nice you, size, which, yeah. is which is kind of crazy when you consider that we are, Compared to Chelsea and the Arsenal, Chelsea Cowboys, yeah, nowhere near as successful footballingly in the no. last few years. So what that literally means is, is from a presentation point of view, as a marketing point of view, as a business point of view, we must be putting together is phenomenal. Because if you add success to that, we we'd be echelons up again. Because success makes eyeballs eyeballs means new fans new fans means new revenue which you know is a cold hard way of looking at football but that's that's the facts yeah you create fans around the world by winning competitions manchester city had a shed load of money invested in them initially we know you know the financial fair play rules and all that stuff that's being looked at quite heavily we won't go into that today but what they do now is they have massive revenue globally. You see people around the world wearing Man City shirts. Now, that would never have happened before their success. No. But because they're successful, now people want to be associated with that team. And that's what happened. So, that's why Manchester United became a behemoth. You yeah, know? to go into that. So I've got, um, through my wife, she has family in Holland. Yeah. Um, and they've got a little boy who is... My little one is eight. He must be eight or nine years old. And yeah. when we were heading over, we went over there end of the summer. I think we went over there last year. And uh, we always send them a message like, look, we're coming over. Do, is there anything from over here you want us to bring over for? With like any presents or anything like that that we can get over here to bring over? Yeah. And their little boy wanted either an Mbappe shirt. <laughs> right. Or anyone with anyone on a Man City shirt. Yeah, and I sent back. I was like, "Why? Like, why Man City? Uh he wants the shirt because they win everything." Yep, and that was it. Like, there's no, and that is a massive thing. I think the difference between a club like your Man Citys and your Chelseas have had all that money injected into them, yeah. and a team like Tottenham, for example, is a lot of their fans are there. Because the younger generation are like, well, they win everything, so I want to support them. Yeah, yeah. No, if you're a Tottenham that... fan, you are a <clears throat> Tottenham fan. You know, yeah. you cry every every other Saturday evening, and you hate football most Monday mornings. But you're a Tottenham fan. Well, I, I go <laughs> I go through that with the game. Like, I hate football. I love football. I hate VAR. I love VAR. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, yeah, no, and, that, and that's, that's, that's the cold hard fact. You know, you create success, you create fans around the world, you get them hooked in, and then even if you're in lean times, they're, they're kind of hooked in. You, you've got them. Yeah. And also, the parents are the ones buying the shirts. You know, the kid's like, what shirt do you want? Oh, I want Man City. Well, that's cha-ching. And the more the shirts get sold, the bigger the sponsorship deals you can get, the bigger the sponsorship deals, the more money the club generates. 
It's an you see where we're going with this. Yeah. From from Tottenham's point of view, without that success, to be where we are is kind of crazy. It is kind of like you look at the teams that surround us: Barcelona, Real Madrid, PSG, Manchester United. Uh, for historic reasons, are still right in there. Man, you know, Man City, obviously, uh, Chelsea, yeah. Arsenal are both below us. Just. Um, but I mean, our our um, I think we're about 150, 160 million up on Arsenal revenue wise. Gee, I mean that's um, not silly numbers. That's big numbers. Yeah, no, it's massive, and and that's revenue, and that's the stadium. The stadium's done that. The events that the stadium holds has done that. You you add Champions League revenue to it potentially for next season, and it goes up again. Um, but you again, like I said, you look at all those clubs around us. They are all winning trophies on a regular basis. You know, yeah. even Man United. Man United right now, we're all looking at going, bloody hell, you know. They're not like they were. I think they won the League Cup last year. Or was it the FA? I don't know. League yeah, Cup they won something. Beat, beat yeah. Newcastle in the Carabao Cup final. Yeah, there you go. Um, and we're all, um, you know, Tottenham done that, we'd be over the moon. But to Man United, that's, oh, they're, you know, all full time of it. But, they're, they're, you know, they picked up, they won something last year. We are the only side in that top 10 that have not won a trophy in, oh, I don't know how many years, 17 years now? Oh, yeah. 16, 16, yeah. I think it's 17 season, 16. I don't know what it is, but it's a lot. Yeah. I know I know. my daughter wasn't alive, <laughs> all right? So, and she's 15. Um, so yeah. it is It is a, a reality. It is a crazy reality of the business that has been done by the club to get in this place. And when the club started doing all this, there was a, I remember there was this really clear, concise interview with Daniel Levy where he said, with the rules that are coming in, we need to do this with the stadium to be able to compete. We have to. There's no way we can be competitive if we don't make these changes. Yep. And they've made the changes. The revenue stream... Because the way FFP works is percentage based on your revenue. So you can only have a certain percentage of your revenue on wages and you can only spend a certain percentage on transfer fees. So the higher the revenue you have, the bigger the wage budget, the bigger the transfer kitty you can put together to stay within the rules. We are now the richest London club. So revenue-wise, we... I think someone did a calculation last year and obviously this isn't applicable anymore... But they said last summer with FFP we could spend over two hundred to four hundred million for the next three windows and stay within the rules. That's that's the level now of the income that we're at. That is that is the kind of insanity. Now that'll certainly be adjusted now because we've had this season out of Europe and you know, regardless of what European competition is, it's extra games. Yeah. Cup runs are extra games, so that revenue's up. So this season I think it's just going to be a 41-game season, which is a very, very low number for us. For, like, the last however many years, it's been 50, at least. Yeah. Um, 50 to 60 games. So you look at that and you go, revenue-wise, everything. But because also the events that we're putting on, that's increased. So someone was pointing out that, like, a home game at Tottenham nets over a million in revenue for the club for every home game. They did a boxing event, and it was, like, over three million. Yeah. Um, they did a, a concert, like three or four day concert. I think it was Beyonce. And I think the whole thing came in over 10 million because everything in there is revenue. Like all the bars, all of that stuff, that's all club revenue. <laughs> so the way they've, the way they've built it with the stadium, everything within the stadium, everything there is just a, a monster for creating income. 
is what they've created. It's it's very clever. It's smart. It's what Everton are trying to emulate. Genuinely, it's what Everton are going to try and emulate. Yeah. Uh, and I pick Everton because they're the ones who are struggling the most at the moment due to mismanagement with their FFP. They've had a 10-point deduction already and they've basically admitted a second charge. Um, Nottingham Forest uh, are another team that are that have got a problem. Um, and if reports are correct, and I've got no reason not to believe this because these same reporters are the ones that broke the Forest and Everton story, Chelsea have a problem, Aston Villa have a problem, and there is only a day left in the transfer window, which means if they don't sell... You know, in these windows, they both those clubs trouble. could be looking at ten point deductions. Um, it's the same rule breach as Everton. Um, I think Aston Villa's salary base, and I think Chelsea's um, uh, the spend, which cannot shock anybody. It, no. it can't. You know, they they've spent so much and they tried to amortize it over so many years and stuff, trying to think they were being clever, uh, and they've not been. Like they they've they've cocked up. Um, so both of those clubs, I mean, they both just might look at it and go, well, we don't feel we're relegation fodder next season. It might mean we don't achieve the goals we want in the league, but we're going to take it on the chin rather than lose one of our top players. Who knows? But also it depends when it's applied. I mean, you look at Everton, their offences were over a couple of seasons and they're being hit now. Like yeah. they've had a 10 point deduction. There's a very real possibility that become 20 this season. Yeah. Um, which, which for me, I don't know. I, I think that probably means they're going down. I, I don't see. I mean, don't get me wrong. They've really turned it around with that ten point deduction. But if you take another ten off them, what does that do to morale at the club? You know, it starts so, hurting, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. you look at Aston Villa now. Aston Villa are playing a season this season. They're right. Oh, up phenomenal. There. Yeah. And surely they've got to be looking at that guy and hold up. This that ten points could be the difference between us getting Europa League and us being mid table. Or Champions League even right or now. Potentially Champions League or, you know, <clears throat> finishing outside of Europe altogether. So that's got to be something they've got to be taking into consideration. Massively, massively. Chelsea, but, that could be the difference between mid-table and relegation battle. And it's also a case of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, it's also it's also kind of funny for me where it's a point of what um, what... When would it be applied? Like, so if they're both finding breach, would it be next season? Because Everton's was the following season, yeah. so I don't think it'd impact them this year. So if Aston Villa look at it and go, well, actually, if we get Champions League, our revenue goes up. Yeah. So, so if we go to the Premier League, does that mean we can say, look, we gambled on it and it paid off, therefore we're okay? Or is it a rule breach has happened? Do you, do you see what I mean? I think with Villa, they are knowing if they don't. If they don't do something, then they're in trouble. Because when they fall, <laughs> when they fall, they're going to be like, "Yeah, we missed it by a little bit." <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I don't. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of the accounts of these things. I know the rules for FFP. Um, my my main career and my qualifications are in finance, so I, I do look at it and I do understand what where the rules are being applied. Um, but it's, it's journalists who have put this together who have said about Aston Villa, said about Chelsea. Um, they're, they're, but there's multiple clubs. You only got to look at the story that broke yesterday from the Athletic that basically player contracts have all been halted at many clubs because teams are now terrified of. Oh, hang on, we were in contract negotiations, but we are now not sure if we can do it because of FFP. So there's players in limbo, and this is obviously agents are shouting their heads off about this, you know, and that's at multiple clubs. That's like I've seen many, uh, broke, many clubs. I think it was this morning, bro. That um. 
Tottenham were linked with the young Norwegian winger. Yeah, yeah, Nusa, um, yeah. He was going to Brentford. Yeah. That deal failed is medical. now pretty much off by the sounds of it. Yeah, uh, he failed the medical. Yeah. Apparently um, there's, a, there's a knee issue with cartilage, like, floating in his knee. Yeah. And also um, a back issue, which Club Bruce like, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> Go on, pay us nearly 50 million quid in total for him. Go on. Um, and, and yeah and Brentford are obviously I mean for Tottenham to shell out that money on a player is kind of Tottenham for Brentford to shell out that kind of money yeah. they they got to be sure sure you know they got to be 100% this kid's going to come in and make an impact for them and if I they've think, got any doubt that he's going to arrive and then be out injured I mean they just can't they can't no. the and again I think that all feeds into the whole FFP thing If if you're not worried yeah. about that you can make that risk and I think you're right. I think I think teams now, now are very nervous. Look at the statistics. Um, the spend in the January transfer window last year was seven hundred and seventy million for Premier League clubs, of which six hundred and seventy-five uh, probably Chelsea. Yeah, it was four hundred and something. I was yeah. about to say, which <laughs> over half was Chelsea. All right, so just to caveat that, but. Even if you deducted Chelsea from that, or or gave it a hundred million to Chelsea to make it more like a normal window or whatever, compare it to this season's sixty million, it is night and day. And of that, of which ironically, Tottenham are more than half. Is the vast majority is Tottenham with two with one signing and one loan. Yeah, it is. It is kind of clear and obvious to everybody that in this window, teams are worried. What is upsetting to me, and obviously if you're a fan of all these other teams it won't be, is the fact that the Premier League are now talking about making the rules a little looser. I don't agree with that. Those were the rules. Just because so many people have cocked up, it's not yeah. fair on the teams that have followed the rules. Yeah. Like, like the whole debate about Man City and everything like that, you know, you can say what you want about certain clubs. That are like We're not Arsenal fans. Arsenal followed the rules. Tottenham have followed the rules. Yeah. Manchester United have followed the rules. Why? Sh- why should the club? I mean, and there's definitely others. I'm just picking them out. Why? Why? Why should those clubs now? Oh, so many others have you know made mis- You know, it's not fair, is it? Yes, it's the freaking rules. Yeah, <laughs> it's like everyone signed up to it. It's a twenty club league. Everyone knew the rules. Everyone signed up to it. Everyone has to agree. They have these meetings, all the chairmen get together, like, these are the FFP rules. Yep, got it. So if you break the friggin' things, you're going to get hit. I get it, don't get me wrong, 10-point deduction, was I thought was a wow, like, that's, jeez. <laughs> okay, right, if Everton have got that from one breach, wow, what's it going to be when the hammer comes down on the, the, the like Chelsea and <laughs> Man City? They're going to be put in the non-league. You're, you're going to have, like, this is Wrexham, <laughs> documentary oh, style, of them trying to get back to the Premier League. Don't get me wrong, that would be box office. They'll probably, they'll probably make a fortune out of selling the rights to that. But my, my, my point is, it's just like, I don't understand that, but I don't understand this narrative of, oh, bloody hell. They break the rules. The rules were there. Yeah. They broke them. You get you get hit. Should there have been a published list? Like, okay, if you break this rule, it's this. You break this rule, it's this. Yeah, probably. But they are now setting that now. They are setting that to say, no, this rule is a 10-point deduction and this fine. So every other club now, ever, and that's where the bar is, so every other club accused of breaking that same rule, they know. 
Yeah. Everybody knows. The argument that, oh, I didn't know it was going to be that bad. It's like, what, 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 it doesn't matter. You broke the frigging rules. <laughs> exactly. well, yeah. Did you Sorry, break I, the rule? Yes. yes. Are you going to get punished? Well, we'd rather yeah. you didn't. So what, yeah. what we're saying is, if safe. what we're saying is, if the punishment was less, they'd have broke the rule and been like, ah, never mind. Don't worry about it. It's only going to be three points. Don't worry about it. That's, that's one game. Don't worry about it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll break the rules. So they're now on about loosening in it. They're now on about on oh, making it a little bit, you know, a bit nicer. Not not quite. That's bullshit. It needs to be tough. It needs to be because otherwise teams are gonna do this. And the whole narrative that oh FFP just protects the big teams. No, it doesn't. It doesn't ring fence the big teams at all. It, the whole idea of FFP is one. It stops these super owners. Look, it stopped Newcastle. Newcastle have got more money than Man City and Chelsea combined, but they can't spend it because their revenue isn't high enough. So Newcastle currently are frustrated as hell. They're screaming or going up and down about it. But that's one of the reasons these rules were brought in is because if these owners come in and do this, go crazy and then go, oh, do you know what? I'm bored of football now. I want to go and buy golf. And they leave. Newcastle are dead. They're gone. You know, if Roman Abramovich had ever got bored at Chelsea and just decided, you know what? I'm done. New Chelsea would have folded. He was he literally was holding them afloat. And to be honest with you, him writing off his debt is the only reason that club didn't go bankrupt. Yep. So yeah. So anyway, so FFP is there for a reason, a good reason. And you only got to go down to lower league clubs who are literally fighting to survive because of terrible ownership to realise why having these rules in place is important and why it needs to be enforced. Um, and, and in the Premier League, I know it sounds like just being a Tottenham fan, I can say this because of the position we're in, but we're in this position because we looked at the rules and made changes. We made sure we adhered to them. We we did what needed to be done early. Yeah. And again, yeah, Daniel Levy has made a lot of problems and mistakes footballing-wise, but as a businessman, he sat there, he looked at all these rules and went, okay. Let's let's counteract these rules by doing this, yeah. this, and this instead. Yeah, and this now is what we, we need. are an yeah. absolute juggernaut when it now comes to yeah. to finances, and that is because of what he's done. And yep. you know, Don Paratici over there is bringing in great players for us because crime, because to. of crime, well, because of crime and fraud <laughs> and everything else. But okay, so maybe <laughs> we're not the perfect examples of not breaking rules. <laughs> Okay, all right. Uh, Parity, yeah, but he's not. He wasn't technically Tottenham at that point. Yeah, yeah he, he broke the rules somewhere else. It's, it's that Wolf of Wall Street clip that everyone always plays for him. Like, was any of this legal? No. <laughs> <laughs> he's got this. Got his Paratici's head over it, and all the Tottenham signings he's made behind him. The question is, was any of this legal? No. No. Um, but but okay. look, that's that's I mean, the show. Saying all we, of that. You've proper yeah. pissed on my parade for transfer deadline day tomorrow, haven't you? Yeah. Well, this, see, the funny <laughs> thing is you were saying it, and I was thinking, no one's spending any no money. One, what do you think no is going to happen tomorrow? It's going to be the most boring 12 it's, hours of it's, TV. It's going to be like, so-and-so's inquired about so-and-so for a loan. They've said no. Yeah. <laughs> so-and-so might go to so-and-so on loan. It's going to be loan day. It's going not transfer oh deadline God, day. It's really going to be loan day. We um, Aston Villa need to get wages off the beach. So what? It's gonna. It, I tell you what could it could be interesting. It could be interesting if Tottenham do actually try on deadline day 
to some of these teams they know have got problems and go right who's your best player <laughs> like, <laughs> it might it just might it just might be interesting because one i think people are hate us for it oh, and i love boiling piss like they're, they're, I said this, like it will never happen, okay? He's their captain currently. Pochettino loves him. But Chelsea have to sell. We would not be interested and being so public with being interested if an agent of Conor Gallagher had gone, yeah, he joined Tottenham. Yeah, he'd be up for that. He'd like to play Ange Ball. Yeah. You know, Chelsea, Chelsea, yeah, he's all right right now. But like a couple of months ago, everyone hated him. So, you know, he'd consider it. So th- there's no way we'd still be so publicly courting him if we were told, God, no, he's a Chelsea boy. Go away. No, yep. clearly not. Clearly someone has given us the nod to say, yeah, you get a bit accepted. He's interested. Yeah. So the idea that we could take the Chelsea captain off him because they have to sell, oh, man. I would buy the Tottenham shirt with his name and number on it. It would go on my wall. <laughs> yeah. It would become a trophy. <laughs> For me, oh, it's like a scalp. I, I would I would treat that like, yeah, it would become regaled. I don't care if he's crammed crap for us. It would just be the fact we did that to them. Yeah, he, he never <laughs> scores a goal or plays no. a good game, but we still took them. Yeah. We we took we took him off him. Pochettino all the time. Oh, I want to keep him. He's a great player. He's a player I really like. No, he's going to Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> Now, look, so, like I said, that won't happen. I think Chelsea would rather take the point deduction than have us take, take a player off them like that. Um, but who knows? Who knows what it will bring? I, I'd like to see us try and do something. There's a lot of rumour around. Um, I, I think we're kind of set. I, I said it yesterday, and I'm, I'm going to stick to it. Uh, I think the only thing we might see is some loan outgoings. Um, I think Brian Hill is one. I think there's possibly a couple from the academy, Junsop, Sunsop Bell, or or Lancashire. I don't think both. I think one or the other will go. Yeah. Uh, I'll be amazed. I, I, I'm still shocked at this moment that clubs aren't just throwing everything at us to get them on loan. These guys are prolific. And then League 1, League 2, I think they'd be prolific. I mean, we're, what? we're unbeaten. Be Under-21s are unbeaten? Not unbeaten, mate. 100%. They've yeah. won every game. Won in, every Premier League, game. in Premier League 2, they've won every game. And they are um, scoring for fun. Yeah. Uh, Lancashire got a hat-trick in a 5-3 win the other day. Um, yeah. We were 1-0 down, then we were 2-1 down, and we won the game 5-3. They, they got the last goal, like where basically we put the deck chairs up and we're putting our feet up. So you would think, oh. like you say, League 1, League 2 teams, surely are monitoring yeah. that League 2. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Oh, League 2 yeah, going, yeah. hold up. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's got to be. I, I think it's just a case of the, us looking at it going... Because I think if you finish, um, the Premier League 2 is a weird thing this season, but I'm fairly confident I read if you finish in the top eight, um, you go into a European Super League next season for youth football. Oh, um, careful, I, I can't, I can't, European Super Leagues, careful. Yeah, I can't, I, can't remember, <laughs> I can't remember if that's the under-18s or the under-21s, so apologies if I've got that wrong. But um, it'd be interesting to see if, if the club are kind of watching it, thinking... Actually, let's keep them around the club. <laughs> let's uh, yeah. Let's 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 win Premier League two, and is is because it's the first year of its new format. Um, you know the irony of this, of course, the hilarity is in the old format last season we were relegated, so we shouldn't even be in this league. It was the fact they reformatted it <laughs> is the only reason we're in it, and we, we've won every game. I mean, it's I mean, oh, it's bad shit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that that yeah. I mean, that's. uh, Is there anything more Tottenham than that? 
But anyway, um, that is our show. I want to say a massive thank you to everybody who continues to listen and message in. We really appreciate it. Uh, we will be back next week, hopefully, to discuss a uh, victory or two. Until then, everybody, you will take care. Come on, you Spurs. Thank you for listening to the Spurs News Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Stay up to date with all things Tottenham. Follow us on social media. All links are in the podcast description. <laughs>